Ask Aubrey is supported by Underclub. I'm going to be really honest with you, and I'm going to tell you that previously, I was the type of person who would shop for my underwear mostly at like Target. And I'm talking basics, neutral colors, nothing exciting, got the job done. And no shade to you if that's you. Sometimes that's still me, right? But my life was changed when I discovered Underclub. Now, what Underclub is, is a luxury underwear subscription service. And so what you do is you basically set up a profile, you take a style and size quiz, you let them know, you know, do you tend to like solid colors or neutrals? Do you like high waists? Do you like thongs? Do you like things that are a little more see-through? Do you like things that are a little more solid and not translucent? And what they do is they will curate a monthly subscription for you where you will receive a certain number of sets of bras and panties, just underwear, whatever you want. And Underclub will send those to you curated by a stylist based on your specifications. You can either shop with them that way or you can look through their entire catalog of really, really cute pieces. They have some really amazing stuff. I have some of my very favorite underwear from Underclub. It is a package I look forward to in the mail every single month. They have sizes ranging from extra small all the way up to 4XL, so pretty good size range in there, and I really, really, really recommend that you check them out. So if you do, you can actually get $10 off your first shipment from Underclub when you use code Aubrey. So that is $10 off your first shipment at underclub.com when you use the code Aubrey. I'm Aubrey Henderson. I'm a recovering people pleaser turned self-worth coach here to help you befriend your inner critic, break up with people pleasing, and reconnect with your desire. Every week, I share my answers to your questions, live coaching sessions, interviews, and more to help you reconnect with your self-worth. Have you ever felt stuck in your life and just needed a really fucking good pep talk? Well, babe, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, babes. Welcome to this week's episode. Um, first, I just got to tell you. Recording and editing and publishing this podcast is truly one of the things that is keeping me tethered to what day it even is. Oh, and I, I've been trying really hard to, you know, hang on to routines that still make sense right now, um, to institute new routines that feel good during this time and you know, one of those is like I still wake up and I get dressed and put on makeup and do my hair and, you know, wear jeans the button and like all of that. I am still doing that right now, which I know is not what feels good for everyone, which is fine. And f- part of that for me is because, well, part of it's because I want to look cute when my friends or family decide to surprise FaceTime me, which is a thing that people do and it is stressful as fuck. So I basically just am always, you know, trying to look and feel in a way that I would be okay with somebody surprise FaceTiming me, which is the thing. Um, And also because to be fair, I enjoy getting cute and taking a million selfies a day as an activity that 
is self-soothing for me right now in this time. Um, But, you know, all of that aside, this is like a very grounding practice and ritual for me. This idea of like putting on my makeup, doing my hair, getting dressed in an outfit that makes me feel good, you know, enjoying the way that I look and feeling confident even when I'm not going anywhere. And, you know, it helps me to just like have a moment to be by myself. I mean, when I'm getting dressed and when I'm putting makeup on, that's some of the only time in my day that I'm like alone in a room with the door closed without people in the room with me. And so, you know, that is is feeling like a really important practice right now. And, you know, the other, the routines that are kind of newer mostly are food related, admittedly. That is um, where we find comfort in our house. And so, you know, on on Fridays, we order donuts to be delivered, which has been a fun, um, also a fun thing to take pictures of. Um, we order bagels on Saturday mornings. We, you know, we do delivery for dinner one night a week. We're also like trying to support the businesses in our neighborhood that are still open. Um, you know, every either Saturday or Sunday, I've been trying to go to the, you know, small natural grocery store that's like slightly out of the way, but that sells the tulips that I really like because fresh cut flowers make me happy and, you know, bring some joy into our home um, when we can't really be outside. And it's making me sad to even talk about because we I went today and they didn't have tulips, which I know is like such a champagne problem right now, but um, it still made me sad. Anyway, all of this is to say, I hope that you are also finding rhythms and rituals and routines that feel good to you right now. You know, things that are keeping you some semblance of, you know, sane, amidst a very scary and uncertain time. And for me personally, I am thankful that creating this podcast continues to be one of those sanity preservers for me. And I'm super grateful to you for taking the time to listen. So thank you. Okay, so now we can talk about the actual topic for this week. So I'm finding in talking to folks right now um, that regardless of the particulars of our lived reality, whether we are able to stay at home, whether we are working, whether we are at home by ourselves, whether we, you know, have a bunch of kids running around in our home, whether we're, you know, living with our in-laws or extended family, I'm noticing that for a lot of folks, there's this, you know, common experience of feeling a little bit more turned inward. And what I mean by that is like just spending more time in your own head, whether that's a function of like just having more quiet space to think, whether that's a function of like being stressed and anxious and scared, you know, whether that's a function of like normally we would go out into the world and do things that would distract us. Um, That's definitely true for me. Distract us from kind of the noise inside of our own heads. We're not able to do that right now. And so you know, because we're spending that time in our own heads, that means a lot of us are hearing more from someone I like to call our inner critic. And so if you don't, 
immediately know what I'm referring to when I say inner critic, you might have a different name for this concept. So maybe for you, it's your inner voice, or maybe it's your ego. Um, I've talked to folks who literally have a human name for this entity, okay? But basically what I'm referring to is this is an internal voice that sends you messages about yourself, okay? An internal voice that sends you messages about yourself. And, you know, I will say there are, there truly is a range of the types of messages that your inner critic can communicate to you, okay? There is a a big range. And what I am going to talk about today are specifically the messages of inadequacy, limitations, failure, and fear, okay? So, you know, variations on the theme of like, you're not good enough, or you are going to fail at XYZ thing, okay? Messages like that. Now, for some folks, an inner voice can have, you know, more kind of intense or even like violent messages it sends to you, right? Things that can encourage doing harm to yourself or to others. And that is a very real lived experience for a lot of people. But I do want to be super clear that the strategies that I talk about in this episode are not going to translate well to that type of inner critic, okay? The things that I talk about are translating again to these messages of inadequacy, limitations, failure, and fear. But, you know, if if the inner critic that you're working with is one that that has kind of, a, you know, these more intense or, or violent messages, things that are ever encouraging you to, to harm yourself or to harm someone else, um, first, please accept my telepathic hug that I'm sending to you right now. And also know that you will absolutely be better served by a licensed mental health professional. Okay, that is a type of inner voice that also deserves to be lovingly and directly addressed. And so, you know, some of the things that we talk about today could be obliquely helpful, but, you know, with with hearing that kind of stuff, um, it needs to be approached with some more nuance than I can advise on. Okay, disclaimer over. So earlier this week, I was talking to a client who wanted to know how to silence her inner voice or her inner critic who tells her frequently that she isn't good enough or that she isn't as pretty or thin or smart as other girls. There was like this comparison from her inner voice. So, you know, this inner inner critic is telling her that she isn't worthy of attention from men because she isn't as X, Y, or Z as other girls. And one of her first questions for me about this was, how do I get rid of that voice? How do I get rid of that voice? And I think it surprised her a little bit when I told her that she probably can't get rid of that voice. Um, and it was my pretty immediate reaction was like, well, you you probably can't. Like, I literally don't believe that you can just get rid of your your inner critic or of that voice that is speaking to you. Um, I don't think you can. And even if you could, I don't actually believe that you should get rid of it. And I see why that could feel counterintuitive. So if you're scratching your head a little bit, I promise I'm going to tell you why. So let me tell you why. This 
voice of our inner critic, which I will admit is a pain in the ass and can cause a lot of stress and can cause a lot of pain and be super disruptive, okay? The voice that tells you that you're not good enough or that asks you things like, you know, who do you think you are to ask for what you want or that says, you know, this guy would never want to be with someone like you or that says, you know, you know you don't deserve that salary. This voice is not some phantom separate entity that's somehow hacked into your brain and is sending you these messages out of nowhere. This voice is part of you. And yes, it is probably also informed by your particular sociocultural marinade that you've been swimming around in, okay, and your relationships with others and all of that. But at the end of the day, it is part of you. The call is coming from inside the house. And I think it's easy to be pissed off by this. Like, I feel like I see so many kind of inspirational quotes or motivational quotes out there about, you know, just silencing or ignoring your inner critic and, you know, just pushing through and just doing the brave thing and, you know, ignoring what your inner critic has to say and suddenly you've accomplished bravery. You have arrived. Congratulations. But I would argue that this is oversimplifying. I think that silencing it or pushing it down or even making it the bad guy, making your inner critic the bad guy is not the move. You know, if we're looking to to move to a place of greater self-awareness and greater healing and, you know, integration of all of the parts of us, I think the move is actually to befriend your inner critic, to be curious about it. And to do that, we first have to understand what this inner critic even is and where it comes from. So it is my belief that our inner critic is formed by the parts of us that are wounded. So it's kind of a composite of these different versions of you in kind of the freshest pain of all of your hurts and traumas and heartbreak and humiliation. So take like, if you had to do like a top five or a top 10 list of the times in your life that you've been in the most pain, you know, the most emotional pain. And think about within each of those incidents, the moment that hurt the most. And then take all those moments and squish them together into kind of like one hypersensitive and hyper hurt version of you. That is your inner critic. And it, you know, it lives inside you at all times. And ultimately, it exists to remind you of what kind of pain is possible. Okay, it is kind of evidence at a collection of all of the pain we have endured to remind us what kind of pain is possible, what the worst case scenario could be, and that these things could happen to you, and that some of these things have happened to you. So basically, it's a little slice of you, and it's saying, hey, remember how shitty it felt when this thing happened to us? You know, don't forget how shitty that was, because then you might put yourself back in that situation again, And we might have to feel shitty again. And that sucked. So don't do it. 
And if we think about it, right, this is actually really adaptive. Or at least the intention is for it to be adaptive. It serves a purpose, okay? This inner critic exists to dissuade you from taking risks that could get you hurt. It wants to protect you from pain. And it does that by, you know, repeating painful messages and, you know, replicating those painful experiences over and over again. So if you've heard before that you're not, whether explicitly or, you know, subliminally have heard the message that you're not good enough, it's replicating that pain by sending you that message again and again and reminding you of that, okay? It replicates those experiences and then it braces you for the possibility of hearing it from somewhere else. So it, it rules with these messages of inadequacy, of limitation, of failure, of fear, because it, for two reasons. One, it wants to protect you by discouraging you from taking the risk in the first place. So maybe it can stop you from even encountering the pain at all. So it wants to protect you and just discourage you from taking the risk. And two, if you do eventually encounter the pain, if you take the risk and you get hurt anyway, it has then prepped you by already giving you the painful messages and the re- painful reminders because it wants to protect you from then being surprised when that pain comes up again. So it's like if you're going to go through it, you're at least going to remember what it feels like and you're not going to be surprised and you're going to have heard worse from yourself. So just pause here for a second because I think this is kind of amazing. Like this is, it's so incredibly adaptive. There is this voice inside of me that desperately wants to keep me from getting hurt or being disappointed. That's incredible. It wants to protect me from pain. It wants to keep me safe. And like, yes, the way it goes about it is misguided, sure. And we're going to talk about that in a second. And we can still be pissed off, we can be annoyed, we can be inconvenienced, we can feel hurt by this inner critic, right? And how they've gone about this all wrong. Because they're also being hurtful and shitty. But I don't want to let this go by without having you just sit for a moment in the reality of how actually loving this is, or the intention is at least. This perspective shift is what has helped me personally feel moved to actually befriend my own inner critic. And, you know, not to ignore her or silence her or dismiss her or chastise her, right? But to actually understand her. And I can be, I can understand her and be angry with her, right? I can understand her and be irritated with her, frustrated or hurt, But this moves me, if I think about her in this way, it moves me to be curious about her and about her motivations and where they're coming from and why. And to meet her where she is and ultimately figure out how to bring her alongside me to help her see what I'm seeing and have this be kind of a two-way street. Now, I will pause here to say that You know, just because it's a part of you that you are now, you know, meeting it with love and curiosity and not with pure anger and judgment and hatred, this does not mean that your inner critic should be running the show. So we can feel all the lovey-dovey feelings. We can feel some like empathy for the inner critic and where they're coming from. 
but they do not get to run the show. Okay. My inner critic is my friend, but just like some of the people I love and am friends with in real life, she can be misguided and she can be wrong about me and about things outside of me. So she's not running the show. I'm still running the show. But I don't believe that you can or should get rid of your inner critic. I don't. I think you should keep them around. I think you should pay attention to them. I don't think you should ignore them. But the game changer for me is I absolutely believe that you should talk back to your inner critic. And so I mean this literally. I mean, if you've known me for a minute or if you've listened to past episodes of the podcast or if you follow me on Instagram or definitely if you've spent time with me in person, then you know I'm being serious. You know my take on the importance of having kind of full conversations with yourself. This is a normal and healing practice. Maybe that's just what I tell myself because I do it, but I highly recommend it. You know, my conversations with myself are very often out loud. I literally will have full conversations with myself. Um, The people who live in my household have just come to find it apparently as a normal thing. And hopefully the folks in your orbit will too once you start doing it. Um, Or maybe you'd prefer to have this conversation with yourself inside of your head or maybe in writing Whatever works for you. I'm going to continue to speak to myself out loud. Um, But what you're going to do here is hear the voice of your inner critic saying whatever they're saying. So let's say, you know, they're saying something like, you're not good enough. And what you're not going to do is what you may have been doing up to this point, which is ignore it or dismiss it or be angry with it or, God forbid, (laughs) Accept it as truth. Okay, you're you're not going to do that because this is a bold-faced lie. The idea that you're not good enough is a fucking lie. You are very much good enough. End of story. I don't need, I don't, literally don't need any information to know that you are not good enough is a lie. Period. But what you're going to do is you're going you're gonna to humor me and you're going to do a little experiment and turn this into an actual conversation instead of a one-way street. So this is not just something that your inner critic says to you and you either dismiss or accept. It's a conversation. So, you know, when I've said I want you to be loving, I just mean you aren't going to say hateful things. You're not going to say your inner critic is a piece of shit and, and that you hate them. You don't have to be extra mushy or sweet to it, y'all. So you can absolutely be assertive. You can push back on the ideas exactly like you would if you're talking to your friend or your sibling or your partner, okay? You should let it know when you think that what it's saying is just pure bullshit. And you can do this in a fairly forceful and assertive way. You can say, I hear you, but you're wrong. That is one way you can respond. You can also meet this piece of you, though, with with some radical love and tenderness and softness and kindness and curiosity. And this is the route that I tend to go. Um, And that's because for me, my inner critic is about 13 years old. And I think for a lot of people there, you know, if we're thinking about an inner critic as a, a, you know, slice of you in a moment that you have been really hurt, I think a lot of people have inner critics who are a younger version of themselves um, but mine is, you know, is 13. Um, she's very, very insecure about herself and her place in the world and how much she does or doesn't matter 
to the people around her. And so when she speaks to me and she says some shitty things, I know that she is just hurt and afraid and she's puffing herself up, really. And listen, she can be really nasty, but she actually is pretty easily disarmed if I approach her a little more gently. So, you know, common things that I hear from my inner critic, right? Um, uh, the one, one I get a lot is that, you know, no one will ever love you because you're not blank enough. Okay, so no one will ever love you. You're not thin enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. Um, the list goes on and on. And so at this point, I might respond to her with something just like, hmm, so I wonder where that's coming from. And do we actually have any evidence to support that conclusion? This is something also that like, I mean, what's interesting about having this this inner critic that is a younger version of me and also having sisters who either are teenagers or who were teenagers in the not so distant past is that You know, I imagine how I would talk to my younger sister if she was like, no, if she said no one will ever love me, I'm not blank enough. Would I say, fuck you, you're wrong? No, I wouldn't. Would I say, you know what, you're right? No, of course not. But I might say like, wow, why do you think that? Or, you know, like, wow, like I really don't believe that that's true and it makes me sad that you think that. And I think this can be a helpful frame for it. If, you know, if you're having trouble thinking about how to respond to your inner critic, imagine that it's somebody you love who is saying that about themselves and how you might respond to them. Somebody that you really love, who you really feel tender feelings about. And they said something that just was like bananas unkind about themselves. And, you know, try to respond similarly when you're speaking to to your own inner critic. You know, I read something the other day and now I'm going to need to pull it up so I make sure I'm using the actual correct wording of it, but that just like I found to be really moving in thinking about how to talk to yourself like you would talk to someone you love. Um, yeah, this, so this says, it's an Akita Gill quote. It says, I'm so afraid of disappointing the people I love. I often forget that I am someone I love too. And I need kindness just as much as I believe the people I love do. I often forget that I am someone I love too. Oof. And I shared that to my Instagram story and I had like no less than a dozen people respond to it and be like, holy shit. Because that's a frame that I feel like we don't take enough. And it feels really straightforward and kind of simplistic. But like, if you're thinking about this inner critic and the way that your your inner critic is speaking to you, the way that, I mean, really the way that you're speaking to yourself and how to have a conversation about that, your inner critic is a piece of you. And a way to practice self-love is really straightforward y'all talk to yourself like somebody that you love because you are somebody that you love and so you know when my when my inner critic says to me another really common one I hear that will be fellow that will be familiar to my fellow Enneagram twos out there one I hear from my inner critic a lot is um, I'm only worth loving if I'm useful to others 
And so if I imagine somebody that I love has said that to me, because somebody I love has said that to me, I have said that to me. But if it's a useful exercise for you, separate yourself from it. Imagine that somebody in your life who you love and you feel, you know, softness and tenderness towards says to you, I'm only worth loving if I'm useful to others. You know, what, what would you say back? I imagine if, you know, if my wife said that to me, And I would say to her, like, oh, my God, that's a harsh thing to say about yourself. Why do you believe that? I don't believe that. Or can you think about a time that you felt loved just for being who you are? And, you know, maybe that conversation doesn't feel... Maybe it's a bridge too far for you to feel like you're having that conversation with yourself. I get that not everybody is me and totally comfortable talking to themselves in a full conversation. And so if it's helpful to you to do that exercise as if you're speaking to someone else, that's fine. Maybe it's helpful to write it down. Maybe it's helpful to write down the thoughts as you have them and not engage it in the moment, but come back to it later. But being sure that you're not just letting those thoughts kind of drift away, really making sure that you're not internalizing them and accepting them as truth, but knowing that they can be the beginning of a conversation is so important and it's really healing. So my assignment for you this week, yes, I'm giving you homework, is to try this out yourself. And so the next time that your inner critic is, you know, piping up or, you know, spewing some ugliness to you, I want you to do three things. So the first thing you're going to do is remember what your inner critic is. Your inner critic is the most wounded parts of you using painful messages of inadequacy, of limitation, of failure, and of fear to discourage you from taking risks and to protect you from more pain. It is not an external force that is hacking your brain. It is part of who you are. So number one, remembering what your inner critic is. Number two, take an intentional position of loving kindness and curiosity toward your inner critic. So resist the urge to just dismiss it altogether or to blindly accept its messages as truth. So take an intentional position of loving kindness and curiosity toward your inner critic. And then number three, have an actual conversation with your inner critic. So this can be out loud or otherwise, but ask questions and be curious about the answers, okay? Have an actual conversation with your inner critic. I am already excited to hear how this goes for folks. So please, you know, reach out and let me know if you do try this and what that experience is like for you. I love you and all of your inner critics, and I hope that you have the best week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review, and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy. 
worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson, and I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty bad. Or you can send a good old-fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babe.